When you enrich the lives of your employees through purpose-powered leadership, they'll grow your business for you. Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where you'll discover how to champion a culture of courage and love. Stop dealing with symptoms and get to the root of the problems in your business. This is the Higher Purpose Podcast with your host, Kevin Monroe. Hey, you know you're listening to the Higher Purpose Podcast. And as usual, I want to welcome you and say thanks for listening. I trust you know how much it delights me to have you listen. And it delights me even more when you let me know that you're listening. And in case you don't know how podcasts work, you listen in anonymity unless or until you somehow self-identify as a listener. Let me illustrate with a recent message exchange. I was sharing messages with uh, on LinkedIn with Nick from Wisconsin, and suddenly in a message he wrote, also, great job on the podcast. I never miss one. Well, that was news to me. I didn't know Nick was a listener. Now, we have amazing stats that provide all kinds of interesting information about you, about the number of downloads, the platforms used, the countries represented. And in case you're interested, the USA, no no surprise here, is the largest audience for this podcast since we're broadcasting from the USA, followed by Canada, with Australia in the number three slot, and right behind Australia is the UK. And they're closing in on the number three spot. So there's, there's this battle going on between Australia and the UK, and they don't even know what's happening. But no, it's fun to have listeners in both. Now, I don't know about you personally, unless or until you step forward and identify in some way. We've got listeners on six of the seven continents. Antarctica is not showing up on the map yet. Now, if you've got a connection in Antarctica, invite them to listen. That would be cool, both literally and figuratively. We've got listeners in Greenland. And why is Greenland not a continent? Well, that's a mystery to me. That's a topic for some other podcast, and I don't mean another episode of this podcast. I mean another podcast on geography or something altogether different. But enough about that. Let's dive into today's episode. Once again, I'm interrupting the flow of guest conversations to have a conversation between just you and me. I want us to explore this idea of up-leveling your business, your leadership, or your life. And I'm trusting this is a topic of interest to you. From the listeners I know and have conversations with, I know you're a lot like me. You're on a quest and you believe there is more for you in business, leadership, and life. And you're determined to find that more and passionately pursue it. It's what I call navigating north, finding and making your way towards those things that matter most to you. Now, as I record this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast, we're in the early phases of our first extraordinary experiment. And in case you're not familiar with the extraordinary experiment, let me provide a high-level overview. It's a program open to anyone that wants to join, public program, anyone who believes that living an extraordinary life is within your reach. This program incorporates principles of design thinking and agile development. It's a 13-week program, and each week incorporates a simple challenge. Simple as Einstein understood simple. You know, not being overly complex, but it's not necessarily easy. The challenges require more awareness and mindfulness to fulfill rather than they do time. Now, you probably already know this about me. You know that I love words, ideas, and concepts. 
They actually float around in my mind like a leaf caught in a gentle whirlwind, something that keeps coming back around. I see it from different angles and perspectives. And through the years, this word extraordinary is one of those words that's been floating around through my mind. A lot more in the last few months as we've planned and launched the Extraordinary Experiment. Well, I want to use that whole word, extraordinary, as the springboard for our conversation today. Now, let's go to the dictionary to get some definitions of this word extraordinary. It's something or someone that's very unusual or remarkable, exceptional, amazing, astonishing, stunning, incredible, unbelievable are some of the synonyms. Something extra, something unexpected, something uncommon. Collins Dictionary includes these definitions, something or someone with an extremely good or special quality. When you think of something as extraordinary, you may mean that it's very unusual or surprising. It's kind of in a class of its own. So let me pause and ask you right now, what pictures come to mind when you hear these words, extraordinary, and the definitions that we've talked about? I want to invite you to think back to an experience or an encounter that you may have described to someone else or at least to yourself as extraordinary. And I want to invite you, if you were to dissect or deconstruct that encounter, what would you find? Now, I believe you would find something that at the core was relatively ordinary or simple, and it was packaged, presented, or delivered with such extra care extra attention, extra focus, or some distinguishing element that it transcended the realm of ordinary and became extraordinary or extraordinary, beyond ordinary. Extraordinary experiences or encounters, they happen in all kinds of arenas and they happen in any area of life. I want to illustrate one, uh, an example from the world of healthcare. When I think of extraordinary healthcare, this one encounter, it dates back 10 years now when my mother was struggling with respiratory distress syndrome. At age 83, my mom was a paragon of health and fitness. She walked six miles a day, did aerobics three times a week, and was a bundle of energy and enthusiasm. Her nurse that was caring for her, a 28-year-old nurse one time, said to me, I have more medical history than your mother at 28 than your mother does at 83. Well, mom had contracted pneumonia in February of that year and, and was suddenly struggling for every breath. To this day, it's now been over 10 years, there were several encounters that happened over the course of the uh, seven and a half weeks that she was in six different hospitals. There were several encounters that were just exceptional, that were extraordinary. But there was this one particular physician, an, an encounter with Dr. Assad that stands out in my mind because it was so extraordinary. So I want to use this one to illustrate and get you thinking. So it was one of mom's earliest encounters with, with uh, Dr. Assad, who was her pulmonologist. He had been called in for a consult because she was having such difficulty breathing. We were at the uh, hospital in my hometown, Perry, Georgia, and he had been called over from Warner Robins, Georgia. And, and Dr. Assad treated mom with the utmost care and respect. Mom was scared, and she was struggling for every breath she took. We were in ICU when Dr. Assad first met my mother, and he was examining her and discussing a course of care. 
Now, mom was having difficulty hearing. She didn't wear a hearing aid or anything, but she had gotten to the point in life where she was struggling to hear. And with Dr. Assad's accent, she was really struggling. And Dr. Assad turned to the nurse and requested she get him a stethoscope. She provided one. It was a kind of disposable stethoscope. Now, I didn't know hospitals had disposable stethoscopes lying around at that point. And you may be thinking, didn't the doctor have a, dis- uh, have a stethoscope of his own? Yes, he did. Here's what we- Here was the first thing Dr. Assad did that was extraordinary. He used this stethoscope as a microphone. He put it in my mom's ears, and then he spoke into the end of the stethoscope known as the bell or the diaphragm, and he used it as a bit of a microphone so my mother could hear what he was saying. Now, that in and of itself was extraordinary, but Dr. Assad was just getting started. He was explaining that he was going to have to intubate my mom, that her lungs weren't strong enough to provide the oxygen she needed on their own, and that she was going to need the assistance of a respirator. Well, mom was terrified of going on a respirator and fearful that if she went on, she'd never get off. Now, again, as I said, this was remarkable, but what happened next was incredibly remarkable for me. From where I was standing beside mom's bed in ICU, I could see Dr. Assad at the nurse's station. His back was to me, and what he did was not for show. It was just his normal prep routine. He took his phone out of his pocket and some other communication device, like a pager, off his belt, and he left them with the nurse. Uh, Again, this wasn't done for show because he had no idea I was watching. He returned and did the procedure on my mom, and a few minutes later, when he came in to check on her and make sure everything was okay, I thanked him for his extraordinary care for my mom. And he made some, you know, quip about, well, you know, stockbroker called and I missed a tip and lost $25,000, but it's no big deal. But, But what I realized... That at the moment he was taking care of my mom, nothing else mattered to him. He had extricated himself from all distractions so he could be fully focused on the care for my mother. That, my friend, is extraordinary. Yet at the same time, it is so simple. And we all have opportunities on a daily basis to rid ourselves of distractions and fully give our attention to the person and or the task immediately ahead of us or in front of us. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotations and a keen insight from author and French philosopher Simone Weil. Here's the quotation. Attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. Now, she wrote that over a hundred years ago, and because of the age in which you and I now live, attention is even rarer today. So let me invite you to think back to that remarkable encounter I asked you about a few moments ago. And I use the word remarkable in the same way Seth Godin does, something so good, so unique, so extraordinary that you tell others or remark. You remark about it to others. That's what's remarkable. It's so good you have to tell it. Or it's so bad you have to tell it. Remarkable fits at either end of the spectrum. So whether it was an experience at a restaurant, a hotel, an airline, a retail store, a hospital, a doctor's office, or the DMV, Yes, the Department of Motor Vehicles. You know the place where service is usually so bad that some people think Dante would have listed it as the seventh circle of hell if the DMV had existed in Dante's day. 
Well, that's no longer the case, at least here in my home state of Georgia. A few years back, they undertook a massive effort to overhaul the DMV, and they have done an exceptional job. Just last month, Gwen, my wife, made her trip to the DMV to renew her license, and she was in and out of the DMV in less time than it takes you to get your favorite beverage brewed at your favorite coffee shop. That's remarkable. And even more so because you expected it to be horrific based on years of experience and the thousands of encounters you've seen or heard retold from others. Now, if you step back and you begin to dissect your remarkable encounter, uh, the, the encounter you've had, Gwen's encounter at the DMV or, or my mom's encounter with Dr. Assad or most any other extraordinary encounter you've experienced, I believe that what you discover is that the heart of what strikes us as extraordinary is something rather ordinary, especially when you understand ordinary from its origins. The ordinary was performed with such extra care, excellence, or grace that it was transformed so that you experienced it as extraordinary or extraordinary. Ordinary comes from the Latin ordinarius. Orderly is what it literally means. Think about it. Ordinary is something that's so orderly that it's become commonplace. Now, here's something that I want to challenge your thinking. What, what you perceive as ordinary may have at one time been quite exceptional, but because over the course of time it's become so commonplace, well, it's just now perceived as ordinary. I'm sure Dr. Assad had performed hundreds or thousands of tracheal intubations, but each time he performed it with the caution and care as though it were his first time. This is the secret great performers know. Whether they're taking to the stage and performing the same set list for the hundredth time on their concert tour, or it's the Broadway, it's on Broadway and it's the 5,000th, 500th performance of Wicked. The performers know that if they let it become commonplace for them, it will also be ho-hum for you. So they find ways. They, they go to extreme measures to make it extraordinary for them so that it's not commonplace for them so that it's also extraordinary for you. So imagine with me, if you will, a continuum, you know, just the long line filling from the, the left side to the right side of a piece of paper or, or screen. This, this is the continuum, the ordinary, extraordinary continuum. At the far left side of the continuum is ordinary. At the far right side is extraordinary. And there are infinite points between ordinary and extraordinary along this continuum. Last week, I had a delightful conversation with Dustin and Christy, two friends and collaborators. Uh, Christy is the person that actually introduced me to Dustin, and we've been having spending some time just getting to know one another and kind of exploring what are some things we might do together, or is the possibility of doing something collaboratively? Well, suddenly, we find ourselves talking about extraordinary, because Christy and I have been sharing about the extraordinary experiment. And all of a sudden, Dustin was talking about how this had been a word that, that's just meant so much to him throughout the years. And how the idea of extraordinary applies to multiple domains. And, and that as you move across this continuum, what might be extraordinary at this precise moment becomes ordinary at some point in the future. By that I mean, it, you know... It, Right now, it's exceptional, but as you continue doing this and as, as you develop your skills, talents, and abilities, what's 
a stretch for you today becomes comfortable in the future. And once it becomes commonplace, well, you got to up your game again and move further down the continuum to the right side, the extraordinary side. Doing things with this extra intention, extra focus, extra effort, it actually has a transformative effect. It's really a secret to transformation. And it's not that you have a complete change overnight, rather that overnight you begin to change. And this transformation has these aspects or this aspect of being both gradual and then sudden. It, it happens gradually, then suddenly. It's the cumulative effect of these little things that you keep doing with extraordinary care. And suddenly you reach this tipping point, an, an idea made popular by Malcolm Gladwell in his book of the same name, The Tipping Point, and suddenly you've reached critical mass. Well, that's the extraordinary continuum in a nutshell. So there are times when you make a big leap forward, but more often than not, it's this continuous improvement and this continual up-leveling by consistently doing what others consider ordinary, they may even look at it as small or insignificant, but when you do it consistently with extra focus, intention, and care, it is extraordinary or extraordinary. This approach applies to business, leadership, and life. When you think of businesses that are extraordinary, if you dig deep and dissect those businesses, what you find are there are lots of little things that they do exceptionally and consistently well. And the same thing applies for all of the remarkable leaders that I know and have been privileged to know. It's not that what they do is radically different from other leaders. It's what they do is they do it so radically different. It's how they do it and how consistently they do it that continually sets them apart. The approach that's at the core of the extraordinary experiment, the public version of the program, it's equally relevant to business and leadership. If you're wanting to up-level some aspect of your business or leadership, I'd love to help. So maybe you're looking to improve client or customer patient experience, whatever you call it in your, in your work. I'd love to work with you and help to understand your current situation as well as your aspirations to improve those encounters and enhance the overall experience. With that understanding in place, we'll work with you to co-create 13 weeks of challenges, each one that builds upon the last and stair-steps your way to extraordinary experience. Along the way, we're developing the resources and supports to help you make significant and sustainable improvements. The same principles and approach are equally applicable to leadership development and culture-shaping efforts. It's a matter of customizing the challenges and creating the structure to achieve your objectives. You know, culture and, and leadership, their mastery of so many little things that really lead to extraordinary leadership and culture. So if you want to explore how we can help you up-level your business or leadership or culture, you can go to 13weekstoextraordinary.com. You'll get that again at the end of the podcast. The, the, the important point is don't try to boil the ocean, making dramatic and broad-scale changes overnight. Instead, start small and make incremental changes that, when linked together, have this dramatic effect that's also sustainable because you've established habits and changed behavior along the way. It really is a path to extraordinary achievement and breakthrough performance. I hope we get to share the journey together. Hey, before we leave and put the total wrap on this episode, I want to give you a preview of what's ahead. 
I'll be back next week, and if everything goes according to our plan, over the next two weeks, we'll have uh, the two concluding conversations in this Profiles of Purpose series. And then that will put a wrap on 12 conversations about being in business on purpose. You can find all of those at PurposeProfiles.com. From there, we're going to launch into something that I hope you'll find exciting. I'm I'm really pumped about it. It's a series of conversations exploring the purpose-powered toolbox. Conversations exploring the tools of the trade, if you will, principles and practices that purpose-powered leaders are using to lead differently. We've already got several of these conversations lined up. Alexander McCobbin of Conscious Capitalism, Bo Burlingham, who's author of Small Giants and co-founder of the Small Giants Community, Brian Robertson of Holacracy One, with many others to come in the series. Hey, if you know of a resource or a practice that you'd like us to consider in the Purpose Powered Toolbox, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com or pick up the phone and just call 678-744-5111. Hey, until next time, I encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Remember, if you ever think that your work could be less ordinary, there's not much between you and something extraordinary. Just 13 weeks and a bold experiment. Find out more at 13weekstoextraordinary.com. 